turn your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Keep your Bibles, we'll be looking at two different stories here in the Lucan Gospel, Luke chapter 10, for a sermon entitled, Do This. It's the only question that matters. All other questions are secondary, and this one question alone is supreme. The question was persistent, for it was posed to our Lord on more than one occasion. Matthew 19, verse 16, and following the rich young ruler asked, what do I have to do, Rabbi, to have eternal life? Or in our present gospel, not only this time, but forward in, in Luke chapter 18, in verse 18, a ruler repeats, good teacher, what I need to do to have eternal life here in Luke 10. This conversation with the counselor, Jesus answers a question with a question. There's an old joke that goes, why does a rabbi answer a question with a question? The answer, why shouldn't a rabbi answer a question with a question? The lawyer already knew the answer. Eternal life comes from perfect love toward God and perfect love toward people, your neighbor. Jesus doesn't correct him when he gives the right answer. He says, you have answered correctly. Look at verse 28. Do this and you shall live. If you want to live forever, what I have to do, Rabbi? The question posed in the text this morning. Now notice carefully Christ's response. He didn't say, great answer, you're the best pupil I've ever had. Or he didn't say, that's impressive. Rather, he says, simply do this. Do what you've said. Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly. Do this. The priority of the pericope shifts from the love of God to the love of neighbor as evidence of your love for God. You see, it's all about love for God and your love for your neighbor is evidence of your love for God. In fact, Paul himself in Romans 13, Galatians 5 says, the whole law is summed up, all the 613 Jewish laws summed up in the idea, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Only if you love God rightly can you love your neighbor rightly. But of course, the lawyer is looking for a loophole. So he tries to narrow his responsibility to love everybody around him. And so he poses a second question to the rabbi. Well, who is my neighbor? He asked, trying to make the case that he doesn't have to love all men like he loves himself because he doesn't consider all men to be his neighbor. Well, Leviticus 19, verses 17 and 18 says, our neighbor, if we're a Jew, is a fellow Israelite. Anyone among your own people, Leviticus 19, 17 through 18. 
But in Leviticus 19, the same chapter, if you read a little further in verses 33 and 34, it causes tension within the same chapter because it tells us our neighbor is our fellow Israelite, but then it tells us that we need to love aliens and strangers too. And so the debate looms large in ancient Israel. Who is my neighbor? It was an old question. And who do I have to love like myself? Just another Jew or a stranger too? Then Rabbi Jesus does what Rabbi Jesus does when he wants to hit home. He tells a story. And the story is lost on us today. The ra rabbi relates a story about a man who's going down from Jerusalem. Because of the height of the holy city, whatever direction you travel in, you're always going down. And this guy, on this occasion, is going to Jericho. Well, look at verse 30. And Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him, and they beat him, and they went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road when he saw him, and he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. When he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his womb and, and, and poured oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to the inn. He took care of him. Next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, when I return, I will pay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. Then comes the cast of characters, starting with a certain priest. The guy is going to Jericho, he's robbed, he's beaten, he's left half dead, and then comes the string of characters. A certain man had been robbed, and now a certain priest passes by. It wasn't that he didn't see the need of his neighbor, he just chose to pass, notice carefully what it says, on the other side. Well, he was a priest, and being a priest, he couldn't come in contact with a corpse that would defile him. And so, well, he thinks to himself, surely he's dead. He looks dead to me. I just won't get close. It'll, it'll make me unclean if I do. So, well, what can I do anyway? And so the priest, a certain priest, passes by on the other side side and he walks away and then verse 32 likewise a levite another religious leader a levite has the same response notice verse 32 he also passes by on the other side how many times have we ourselves passed by on the other side 
Likely the Levite had some temple responsibilities and he couldn't be bothered, not today. He was in hurry. He couldn't be bothered by the needs of his neighbor. So he passes by on the other side. Finally, a certain Samaritan. We've had a certain man fall amongst robbers. We've had a certain priest pass by on the other side. And now finally we have a certain Samaritan. He was on a journey. Now you have to know that the Samaritan would be the most unlikely hero of a story told by a Jew. For the Samaritan was a little bit Jewish, but not all the way Jewish. They were descendants of that mixed population occupying the land after the conquest and by Syrians in 722 BC. They had their separate place of worship. They were considered social outcasts by the Jews. They were half-breeds and therefore in some ways worse than being a Gentile because they were sort of Jewish, but not Jewish in the way that the Jews liked. And there was a, a long history of animosity and hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so here's a Jew who's injured. A Jewish priest has passed by. A Levite has passed by. Another religious authority. And now it's the enemy. It's the Samaritan. Notice. In verse 33, we have the adversity of conjunction, but. Whenever Jesus is telling a parable and he gets the word, but, you know he's about to drive home the meat of the matter. But a certain Samaritan. Samaritan himself was hated by the man who's been bloodied, the one who's been beaten up by the bandits. He hates the Samaritan who's about to help him. But look at verse 34. Instead of passing by to the other side, he came to him. He bandaged up his wounds, poured oil and wine on them, put the poor man on the back of his own beast of burden, brought him to the inn. The next day he gave the innkeeper some money and said, whatever else you need to spend to take care of this fellow, when I return, you can count on me to give you the cash. You make sure he's okay. And then Jesus asked the question, verse 36. It's an uncomfortable question for a Jewish audience because the bad guy is, oddly enough, the hero. Which one do you think proved to be the neighbor of the victim? The man who fell into the robber's hands. It's not a trick question. The answer is obvious. There's no way to avoid it. The one who showed mercy to him, the attorney answers. In verse 37, Jesus says, go and do. Be like the Samaritan. The answer to eternal life, according to Jesus, is going and doing. This is not an isolated instance in the New Testament. Of course, it is our faith in Christ that saves us, but even Jesus' brother James will tell us later that our faith is made manifest by going and doing. 
is the kind of faith that causes us to even love our enemy and to care for our neighbor. That's the kind of faith that is a saving faith. Jesus is saying, and the New Testament says over and over again, we must have the kind of faith that has weary feet from well-doing. The only question that matters, how do I get forever life? The answer, don't ignore your neighbor, go and do, have a faith in Christ that flourishes in works. This is a story about crossing well-established boundaries to help people on the other side of our social order. The Jew was definitely on the other side of the Samaritan. The priest and the Levite, the likely heroes of the story, were not heroes at all. They left their fellow Jew for dead. One clear lesson that looms large in this passage is that God's people need to rise up in every place and every city and everywhere and embrace each other. If a Samaritan will help a Jew, and a Jew will help a Gentile, we could begin a conversation centered around our Christ, couldn't we? The scripture, that is, the scripture to Jesus, the Old Testament, had already taught God's people not to judge by the skin or the face, but rather to look at the heart, look beyond the obvious. Just like God had chosen David to be king. We are the people who have, not only the Old Testament that teaches us to look at people's hearts and not the outside, but we have the Acts of the Apostles where the Holy Spirit falls down upon Gentiles and not just Jews. In fact, upon a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius and his household are filled the Spirit of God. And we are the people that have the Christ hanging on the cross who says about his very enemies, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We're the people that have the power to forgive our enemies because our Christ forgave his enemies on the cross. Every single Sunday at First Baptist Church of Amarillo right here, we preach the gospel in six different languages one of which is me preaching in English, but that's just one. There are five other preachers preaching in different languages. The outside world thinks that Amarillo is a West Texas town only inhabited by farmers and ranchers, and thank God for them, but we farmers and ranchers aren't the only ones here, are we? The outside world thinks that we're the land of big stakes and rattlesnakes, and that's the beginning and the, the end of it. But if you live here, you know differently. We have elementary schools on the east side of town that have 20 different languages spoken in the same school. What a great city we have. Here in Amarillo, we have a long history of loving each other and caring for each other. If you look at the histories of our churches in Amarillo, we're all woven together. We are branches coming off the same stump in the end. The next time you see a man, the next time you see a neighbor from the other side waylaid on the roadway, 
Remember the one question that matters. Now tell me again, Rabbi, how do I live forever? How do I get a seat at the big banquet at the end? Do this, Jesus says. Faith, yes, faith, but a faith that changes how I treat my neighbor. Jew or Gentile, African-American or Laotian or Burmese or Latino or Congolese or Somalian or Vietnamese or do immigrants from Afghanistan or the Ukraine, Whoever comes to Amarillo, we cannot, we must not, and we have not passed them by. There's a second story in this ending of Luke 10. Look at verse 38. I think it's no mistake that Luke puts these two stories back to back and side by side, for they're completely different. Now, they were traveling alone. He entered a certain village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me doing all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. The Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. I've always liked he says it twice. Martha, one wouldn't do it. One Martha would not do it. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. This story side by side with the story of doing is a story about not doing, but a story about being. This one is not go and do, but listen and learn. We know from John's gospel that Martha and Mary are very special friends of Jesus, the sisters of Lazarus. He stayed in their home on more than one occasion. But I don't want you to miss the radical nature of this story. Jesus is invited to a woman's home. There's nothing said about Lazarus even being there. He teaches a woman. Rabbis did not allow women to sit at their feet to listen and learn, but there she is. Mary is seated, seated at the feet of Jesus, listening and learning. We've already seen in Luke's gospel that women were counted among the most important followers of Jesus. And much more is made about this, even as we go to the last event, the resurrection, where women are the first to proclaim it. You might not like that, but these are undeniable facts of the story of Luke. Neither Jesus nor Paul were pushing women out of the inner circles of discipleship, but they were busy welcoming women in. And so this same Jesus sits down with this woman named Mary and talks to her. Mary... And Martha, 
I can just see Martha now. She is so busy in that kitchen. She's got the Lord there, the rabbi. She has got a green bean casserole ready. You know, the kind with the crispy onions on top. It is all ready. She's trying to get it out of the oven and keep it warm so she can get the rolls in there. And well, the brisket is already ready to go, but the meringue on the coconut pie has not yet been browned. And of course, the sink is all full of dishes. It's one of those occasions where you don't need two hands you need six hands well where is Mary anyway she begins to think to herself why doesn't she get in here and help me in the kitchen doesn't she know I'm preparing a meal for our Lord and the disciples about that time she takes her shoulder and wipes her sweat away she clangs some dishes in the kitchen hoping that Mary will finally catch a clue and come in there. And when Mary doesn't hear the clanging of the dishes, verse 39, look at Mary. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, the onions might overbrown right there sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to the Lord's word. But not Martha. Martha is not listening. Martha wasn't learning. Martha was doing. Can't the Lord see, verse 40, what's going on here? Can't he know how Mary's treating me? Lord, does it not matter to you? I'm the only one, the only cook in the kitchen. Tell her to help me. Martha seems to me be one of those women who makes life very, very complicated. Some of you are just like that. She could have made a one-dish vegetable chicken casserole and had it all right in there and made it easy. But no, no, not for Martha. It had to be course after course and appetizer and entree and dishes and absolute perfection. And there's the dessert on top of that. You know Martha or you are a Martha. You have to make it so complicated. You can't relax and enjoy your company when they come over to eat. Martha would have never said the tea pitcher and ice are over there. Just help yourself when you need some more no she would have been up the whole time and she would have never sat down and never visited with anybody because that's who Martha is Lord it is not fair do something about it tell my sister to help Martha Martha there he goes you're worried and bothered about so many things life didn't have to be this complicated Martha I don't care whether you have dessert or not. I just like being with you and Mary. I like being with my friends. Actually, Martha, I wish you'd quit worrying about the meal for a moment and come in here with Mary and sit down and partake in the word of God like your sister. Mary, only a few things are necessary and really only one is helpful. We do not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord Martha the word of God the real bread of life is right here in your home and you are missing it Martha how when I am here teaching are you so focused on overcooking the pasta Mary has made actually the better choice the things that you are preparing, Martha, will eventually perish. But what she has chosen, hearing and receiving the word of God at the feet of the Lord shall never be taken away from her. 
Some of you this morning, you need the first story of Luke 10. You need the story of the Good Samaritan. You need to hear Jesus say, go and do. That's what you need to hear this morning. And yet there's others of you here gathered this morning who need to hear the second story of Luke 10 where the word is listen and learn. Go and do, listen and learn. Side by side, two stories. What it means to be followers of Christ is not simply doing, though that's a part, but also is essentially being. We can do But if we do not be, then we've missed the essence of God's kingdom altogether. And in the end, one cannot be without eventually doing. Doing and being, side by side. I think Luke, in a master stroke, edits these stories side by side on purpose. Which story is for you this morning. Do this or listen and learn. Whoever you are, wherever you are, however you are, one of these is the word of the Lord for you today. Go and do or listen and learn. Let us pray. Oh God, what powerful stories to remind us that you're, you call your people to have faith of feet And to love all of our neighbors, even when they are so different than we. And then yet you remind us not to be busy just for busy's sake, but rather to listen to the word of God. And to be in Christ. Listening and learning. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.